0: Every knee will bow, every eye will see, everyone will shout, Jesus Christ is King. Good morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Frank. I am privileged to be one of the the men that God has uh, called to pastor and shepherd this faith family of ours in, in Melissa, Texas. You've heard from a couple of us uh, in the past couple of weeks. You heard from Pat Knight a couple of weeks ago uh, on Psalm 119. And you heard from Kent last uh, week on Psalm uh, 27, or Psalm 67. And uh, if you missed either of those messages, I really encourage you to go back and listen to them. They're on the website. If you go to the Parkschurchmalissa.com and go to the sermons tab, uh, you, can, you can listen to those. Last week, Kent preached to us, um, as I said, from Psalm 67. And he reminded us from that passage that God has created us. He made you and me to be a conduit of God's blessing and a means of his glory to the world. God blesses us. And you, we live in Collin County. God showers his blessings on us so that we can be a blessing to others and make his name famous. And what I want to talk to you today is, is, is a similar message um, but kind of the flip side, what do you do when you don't feel blessed? What do you feel when your world is not going the way that you want it to do? A lot of you have come here this morning and you are, you're tired, we're worn out. It's been, maybe it's just been one of those weeks, um, but maybe it's worse. Maybe you're, you're fighting a battle that, that you don't have the energy to fight anymore. Maybe there's nothing left in your tank and it was all you could do to just get here and sit in that chair. And if that's you, please let me tell you this is the right place. We did not gather here this morning to worship and praise a weak or a small or a distant God. We are here to worship a powerful and very present God who does not abandon us to live this life alone. So this life is hard, isn't it? Uh, One of my favorite lines from a movie is from The the Princess Bride, for all you 80s uh, people. Uh, Wesley, one of the main characters, says, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling you something. That doesn't mean we need to run scared, though. If you've ever tried to make decisions when you're afraid, that generally works out really bad. Uh, And I was talking with with Kent about um, a tragic example of that. Uh, He he works with uh, orphans in West Africa, in Sierra Leone. And he was telling me about, in 2016, if you remember, at the height of the Ebola epidemic over there, uh, doctors and medical professionals are coming in from all over the world uh, to save these people, to try and stem the tide of this awful disease. And the locals were scared. And they were refusing help because they wouldn't trust the message that these outsiders had. They didn't trust the saving that these people came to offer them. And so they stuck with what they knew, often with really tragic results for them and their family. Another example comes from the the Book of Exodus. If you remember from our series uh, a little ways back, uh, from the Book of Exodus that we went through for a long time, uh, the if you remember, the Israelites had been delivered from captivity, from slavery in Egypt, and God had brought them through the Red Sea, and He had brought them to Mount Sinai, and the Sovereign God that had saved them came down on the mountain with thunder and lightning, and the mountain is burning; it's on fire, and they said, "Moses, you go talk to him." <laughs> and Moses went up the mountain, and he was there for about six weeks, and the people were afraid. What if Moses is dead? What if God has abandoned us? What if we're out here in the middle of nowhere? What do we do? And so what did they do? They made a golden calf. And I think of that, and I think you're in the middle of nowhere. This is not the first thing I would have done. (laughs) But it's what they did. And if I think about it, it, it's not that different from you and me. When things go really sideways, when things are crazy, when they feel really out of control, I, want, I, I, I don't want to just sit there. I don't want to just do nothing. I need to do something, right? And so I look for a God that is controllable, that I can see, that I can manipulate and control, instead of trusting an invisible God who alone, who, who refuses to be quantified. When the ground under your feet suddenly shifts, when you get laid off, like a, a, a client of my wife's. Um, a couple weeks ago, he was expecting a promotion and a big raise, and then his company got bought and he got downsized. He's now having to look for a job when he thought he was going to be taking that next step. Maybe you get a, a diagnosis from the doctor that's really scary. Maybe your kids are making really crummy decisions and you don't know what to do. Um, maybe your your best friends or your spouse abandons you. Maybe your family is falling apart. What do you do? How do you make sense of those kinds of realities? And the answer is we return to foundational principles, basic principles. And we find those basic principles in in God's word. If you were here a couple weeks ago when Pat Knight preached from Psalm 119, uh, he reminded us of the reliability of God's word, the way that he infallibly has revealed himself to us. Uh, we, know, we know we can rely on God. And we find that even in the worst of circumstances, we can be confident because we have God. No matter what circumstances you find yourself in, the sovereign God of the universe will save and vindicate his people, and he'll do it for his name's sake. And we see this very clearly in Psalm 46 as Kristen read for us just a minute ago. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the first row, uh, first seat of every row. You've probably got a Bible app on your phone, um, and the words will be behind me on the screen here. Uh, Read with me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam though the mountains tremble at its swelling. I grew up in Albuquerque, and out my kitchen window, you could see the Sandia Mountains. They, they dominate the, if you've been there, maybe on a ski trip or something like that, they, the mountains dominate the whole east side of the city. Uh, that is our frame of reference for everything. If you're getting directions, probably they're going to refer to the mountains, head toward the mountains. Um, so when the psalmist here talks about mountains getting picked up and thrown into the sea, that, that, that hits home for me. Um, The mountains growing up were our frame um, of reference. When the things I count on, like mountains staying put, shift, and I'm looking for something solid to stand on, this psalm, Psalm 46, tells me everything I need to know. This points me back to the basic principle of God's character. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Stick this in your head, because if if you are hashtag blessed right now, if you are feeling like you're on top of the world, you've probably lived enough life to know that that's not how, that's not normal for this life. We live in a fallen, sinful world. It is broken, and we struggle, right? That's That's normal. If it's good now, we know that it's not going to last forever. So put these three verses, tuck them away in your mind so that when that other shoe drops, you know you've got something to pull from. You've got your hope. Moving on to verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns." Water is life, and, and not just because you need it to make coffee. Uh, water is life for a city. Uh, if you look at most major cities, they've got you know, walls, or at least did at some point, and they're on a river. Uh, that was how the city uh, grew, because obviously people need water. You can go, what, three days without water before things bad things start happening to you. Um, this was especially important for these ancient cities inside walls, because when an invading army would come in, all of the people surrounding these walled cities would rush inside the walls for protection. So now you have to be able to provide water for everybody in the city, all these people packed in. And the presence of water, if you had a source, like a river, this was, what this was a, a part of your, your city's security. If you think of Jerusalem, it's on a high, very dry mountain. There's no river there. There is a spring, but it's on the back side of the, of the mountain on a cliff overlooking the Kidron Valley. Now, the, the early kings had dug out that, that spring and kind of led it back through to the pool of Siloam. Um, and so the people of Jerusalem would look at that pool of Siloam and it would remind them of their security, as the, 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 the psalmist says. Um, it makes them glad. It made the city of Jerusalem glad to see that pool of Siloam because it reminded them that they had a water source in time of trouble. But here and elsewhere in the Bible, uh, it refers to much more than just kind of a wet necessity of biological life. In John 10.10, Jesus said he came to offer us abundant life. In Revelation 22, the river of life flows from the throne of God. Um, as we sang just a minute ago in, um, in John 7, Jesus says that living water will flow out of you and me, his followers. Uh, and what does Jesus say to the woman at the well? He tells her he alone is the source of living water. He alone is the source of life. Do you have life this morning? Too often I think we hear... Jesus' offer of eternal, abundant life, and like the woman of the well initially did at the, at the well initially did, we either think it's too good to be true, or we treat it like it's just it's trivial. Um, and instead, like the people of Sierra Leone, we we go back to trusting what we know, what we can see, what we can what we can kind of manipulate and control. Jeremiah the prophet calls the, that um, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Looking at verse 5, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. We just sang a minute ago, He will hold me fast. The psalmist, I think, had that idea in mind. When our source of life is Christ, when we are like that city and we have the source within our walls, We will not be moved. No matter what happens to us, we can stand firm because we have the water of life in us. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, he indwells you. God is literally living inside you. You can't get any more present than that. You will never have to go through anything in this life if you have Jesus alone. He is indwelling you. You are not expected to face it yourself. The nations rage, verse 6. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The nations rage. I think that's such a a great way to put it, don't you think? Um, You don't have to look far in social media or on the news to see uh, that there are missile tests and threats from Iran and North Korea. Uh, there are trade wars going on with China and who knows where else. Uh, the, there are conflicts and uh, suffering going on everywhere on earth. The nations are raging. And very often when we see that the world is in turmoil, we look for a political messiah. We look for someone who can uh, make us strong and um, keep us safe from these raging nations. right? But there is only one deliverer. Um, we are, we're heading into election season here, and there are any number of uh, wannabe political messiahs vying for our attention, and they all tell us the same thing. We should be afraid, right? There's a lot out there that's very scary, um, but all of these, to all of these wannabe messiahs, there is, no matter who is elect- elected, no matter who wins in the end, God will still be on his throne, and he alone is your source of strength, And in the next few verses, we see God is quite capable of taking care of himself and us. Um, Having told us that God alone is our deliverer, the psalmist now gives us two calls to action. First, he says, behold. Behold what God has done. Look at the evidence. God never calls us to blind faith. He doesn't call us to just close our eyes to the world and say, no, 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 I, I, I trust you, God. No, he says, look at what I have done. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He is the one that delivers us when the nat- nations rage. In Second Kings, chapters 18 through 20, uh, you learn of a nation raging. The Assyrians had invaded, and at the time they were the, the, the most powerful military country in that region. And they had invaded from the north, and they had conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And they had set up camp and were besieging Jerusalem. And they sent the the king's messenger. His title was the Rabshakeh, which is a a cool title, I think. The (laughs) Rabshakeh. The Rabshakeh came and stood at the, the gates of the city. And he yelled up, and he explained to the people inside who were scared. They're afraid. And he tells them exactly what a siege is going to look like for them and in very graphic terms. Sieges were awful for the the civilians inside a city. Uh, There was never going to be enough food, and you were hopeful that the water would hold out. Um, And he explains this to them and reminds them, you should be afraid. And then he goes on and says, and don't be foolish and trust in your God to deliver you. We have conquered a lot of nations, and they all had gods, and where are they now? But God is capable of taking care of himself. And he is capable of taking care of you and me. And he takes the Rabshakas' mocking of his strength and his faithfulness. He takes it very personally. And in a single night, he wipes out the entire Assyrian army. God is capable of taking care of himself. And he is capable of taking care of you and me. These verses also point to the end of days when Jesus will return. Uh, In Revelation 19, Jesus comes back on a white horse leading the armies of heaven to wipe out all of these political pretenders and to establish peace on the earth. Imagine opening up your social media. Imagine checking the news, and there is no war anywhere. There are no more nations raging. There are no more threats. There's no suffering Imagine that. I mean, I I don't even think I have a a box to put that in. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Give us that peace. Um, After reminding us to behold, the psalmist tells us to be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We might better read this, uh, be still because he is God, and we are not. He's, he's got this. In uh, Mark four thirty nine, you know this, this story. Uh, the disciples and Jesus are on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and the way that the geography is, storms can come up really quickly uh, on what's really just kind of a big lake. Uh, and so these experience, a storm comes up, and these experienced fishermen are scared to death, uh, the waves are crashing over the boat and the, the, the wind is raging, and Jesus is sound asleep in, in the bottom of the boat. Um, and so the disciples come and they shake him and they say, Jesus, we're dying. Have you ever said that? I have. Laying in your bed at night when you're out of answers and you're staring up at the ceiling, God, where are you? Don't you care? Don't you see what's going on? What does Jesus do? He stands up, and he looks out at the storm, and he says, be still, and nature obeys him. These two requirements, behold and be still, when we say believe, this is what we mean. We don't mean go do something. We mean this is saving faith. Behold what God has done and be still. I've heard, and you probably have too, some pastors say some variation on the, uh, the, the old, old saying, um, God has done all that he can do. The rest is up to you. Let me tell you, that is a small God and a false gospel. The Bible is clear. If Jesus has not accomplished it, if he did not do it on the cross, it has not been done. And you and I are still in our sins. And what are we doing here today? Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. On the other hand, if the gospel of the the Bible is true, Jesus has finished everything. He's checked off all of the things left to do. All that is left is for us to simply Behold what he has done, his finished work. Behold his deliverance, and be still and trust that it is enough. His finished work has enormous implications for you and me today. To be real honest, um, when the things that I rely on crumble under my feet, When the mountains get thrown into the sea and I have no frame uh, of reference, the storm is raging around me. Honestly, you you can have your gentle Jesus, meek and mild. I want the sovereign Jesus who created everything, who holds it together, who commands the storm to be still and it obeys him. As Abraham Kuyper put it, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. This is the God we can trust to save us. This is the God who has promised us salvation and deliverance in the end. This is the very present God of Psalm 46. Um, but why can we trust Him to save us? I mean, obviously, we've got the evidence that He can why is he motivated to save us? Uh, Look again at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Just as Kent taught us last week that God blesses us for his name's sake, God saves us for his name's sake. Kent brought up He was preaching once, and that sounded a little off. That sounded very self-centered. That sounded, um, why is God only concerned with himself? Why is he only about his name? Who else's name is he going to glorify? Who else's name is worthy? God, who is over everything, over all of our circumstances, will vindicate his name by saving his people, and all the world will see it, and they will praise his name. You heard other pastors say, it. if he's brung you to it, he'll bring you through it. And he will do it because it brings him glory to do that, to save us. You and I chase a lot of things. Um, we try to find security in our jobs, in our money, in our bank balance, in our kids, uh, in their achievements, um, in our stuff. And these are, these are fragile gods, aren't they? To all our exhausting pragmatism and, honestly, idolatry, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will deliver you. I will deliver my people for my name's sake, and the whole world will see it. And they will know that there is a God who saves. And the psalmist finishes up by repeating verse 7 uh, because we need, honestly, we need that to be repeated. We need to not forget that. Um, he is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If Jesus has done all the fighting necessary, why are you and me still wearing ourselves out? chasing all these things. Be still and know that he is God. If you're tired and worn out today, if your world feels like it is spinning out of control, be still and know that he is God. Call on his name, and he will deliver you for his name's sake. And that is where you find peace and confidence in the storm. In 1871, a guy named Horatio Spafford was one of the most successful attorneys and businessmen in Chicago. He had done really well in the courtroom. And he had used that money to uh, invest. And he bought up a lot of the property along Lake Michigan. Uh, Obviously valuable stuff. Um, He had four beautiful daughters and lived in a nice house. And uh, as he wrote to a friend, I am on top of the world. And then somewhere on the edge of town, a cow kicked over a lantern in a barn and started what we now refer to as the Great Chicago Fire. And in a few hours' time, everything that Horatio Spafford owned turned into ashes. His wife took it the hardest. uh, And the doctors suggested that he go for a family vacation, change the scenery. So they booked a, a, a family vacation in Europe. And as they were about to get on the boat, uh, Spafford got a telegram saying, "There's there's some things you got to take care of before you go. We got this is urgent stuff." And so he he put his family on the boat and said, "You guys go have fun. I'll be I'll be along as you know as soon as I take care of this stuff." A few days out, in the middle of the gigantic Atlantic Ocean, their little boat crashed into a British boat, and in about 12 minutes, 226 people drowned, including all four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. I have, I have four kids. How do you make sense of that? In, in just a few months' time, Horatio Spafford had lost everything he owned and every one of his children. He jumped on the first boat uh, to England to be with his wife. And a few days out, the captain approached him on deck and said, Mr. Spafford, we are approaching the place where your daughters now rest. I have no idea how how he made sense of the emotions that no doubt flooded his head in that moment but he took out his pen and paper and he wrote a poem. And most of you know the, the, the words. They're familiar to you. He wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. How is it with your soul today is it, is it well or have you been trusting in things that can't save you that can't bring you peace that can't bring you life the things that Jeremiah called broken cisterns that can't hold water is that where your trust is Horatio Spafford knew what it meant to be still and know that he is God. And that one overarching truth, that one basic principle was his solid rock when absolutely everything else in his world had been taken from him. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. If you are here today and you are tired of trying to make sense of your circumstances without Jesus Christ, please stay around afterward and talk to me, talk to Ryan, talk to Kent, talk to Kyle, grab one of the the elders and talk to us. We would love to pray with you. You don't need to fight to try and fight this world, the battles that we all face without Jesus. It's hard enough. It's hard enough. And you all know this. It it is hard enough to deal with life as it is. But it's impossible without Jesus. It's It's also hard to do alone in a minute. um, I'm going to ask Chris uh, Kaufman and Rusty to come up and talk to you. Men, we try to do this alone, don't we? We try to suck it up and be strong and uh, deal with these things on our own. Um, but we, we can't do that. We don't have what it takes to do this alone. Um, and they're gonna come up and share some opportunities for you to, um, to meet with other guys who are fighting the same battles you are. So, in a minute, um, if, if, if you're looking for that, come up and, you know, they're going to come up and talk in just a minute. Pray with me, would you? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us everything we know to, to face the fears of this world, the things that make us so insecure, the things that are the stuff of our nightmares, God. Thank you that... You are strong enough and you are big enough and you are far greater than anything we can imagine. You are our sure foundation, Lord. Our help in time of trouble. God, I pray for everyone in this room who is struggling, who is worn out, God. The people who are uh, at the end of their rope, they're tired emotionally, mentally, physically, God. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would... Remind them that you are secure. Whatever we're fighting, Lord, if we have you, we're not alone and we have what it takes. You will hold us fast. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the things that we make into idols. Forgive us for the things that we try to do on our own. God, you have saved us. You have provided everything for salvation that we need. And you will deliver us through the things that we need to be fight this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Every knee will bow, every eye will see. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.